Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Matatapos na ang 2020. Many economic experts and regional banks have released their growth forecast for this year. While many countries saw a decline in GDP growth, the Philippines is seen to post the worst economic performance in Southeast Asia. And in part two of our story on Pinoy nurses in the United States, we take a deep dive into the other factors which led to the demise of our kababayan working in COVID wards abroad. Mula po sa Quezon City, ako si Robbie Alampay, Puma Podcast. At ako si Inday Espina Varona. It's December 14. Ito ang Teka Teka, Balita para sa mga huli sa balita. Well, siyempre po, nalulungkot tayo dyan no? dahil ibig sabihin, mas maraming maghihirap sa pagbagal ng ating uh, pag-unlad. Pero yan naman po ay naging resulta ng uh, pandemya at ng mga sigalot na sunod-sunod na dumaan sa ating bansa. Kaya po natin to babangon tayo. Do. We will do better in 2021. That was spokesman Harry Roque. Kakalabas lang noon ng growth forecast of the World Bank. It projected that the country's economy would shrink by 8.1%. This year. And hindi lang World Bank. The Asian Development Bank says it expects our GDP to contract by 8.5% this year. But what do these numbers actually mean? At bakit nagkaganito? Janina Magundayao talks to JC Punong Bayan from Usapang Econ. Robbie, Inday, I'm sure everyone would agree pag sinabi kong 2020 has been an anus horribilis, even more so for the Philippine economy. Ang daming pinagdaanan ng Pilipinas eh. Tal eruption, COVID-19, sunod-sunod ng super typhoons. Imagine, ina-expect sana ng maraming multilateral agencies na one of the fastest growing economies ng Pilipinas this year in Asia. Pero ang ending pala eh, tayo ang worst hit economy sa ating region. This is not unexpected naman, considering na millions of Filipinos ang nawalan talaga ng trabaho at kabuhayan dahil sa mga lockdowns at sa mga disasters na ininda ng bansa. Pero sa October 2020 na unemployment data, makikita natin na maraming Pilipino rin pala ang mas pinili na wag na lang munang magtrabaho sa ngayon. Maraming mga job losses at maraming mga industriya ang hindi makapag-adapt ng maayos sa ekonomiya natin ngayon. Pero marami din yung mga young parents, for example, na pinipili nila na manatili sa bahay at hindi muna magtrabaho para matutukan nila yung kanilang mga anak. At nakita natin sa datos na mas marami mga kababaihan ang naapektuhan at umalis sa labor force noong October kumpara sa mga kalalakihan. So kasabay nito yung uh, pagbubukas ng online classes noong October. So hindi nakatakataka na ganito yung nakikita nating trend. Parang snowball effect itong nangyayari sa ating ekonomiya. Kung maraming hindi makapagtrabaho at walang matrabaho, eh, limited din yung panggastos nila na siyang fuel ng mga consumer-driven economies gaya ng Pilipinas. Kung mas marami rin yung mga pipiliing manatili na lang muna sa bahay, eh, limited din yung kanilang consumption o yung panggasta. Kaya magiging mabagal talaga yung recovery ng ating ekonomiya. 
for the most part, ay kailangan talagang lumabas ng bahay ng mga tao para mag-resume ng business as usual. So, dito papasok yung issue ng consumer confidence. Nakita natin mula sa datos mula sa Google na nakaka-recover na yung mobility pagpunta ng mga tao sa mga public places tulad ng groceries and pharmacies, mga workplaces and retail and recreation areas. Pero nakita rin natin na sa Pilipinas, tayo yung merong pinaka-depressed na mobility sa ASEAN. Ibig sabihin, kahit na binuksan na yung mga establishments at niluwagan yung mga quarantine restrictions, ay uh, hindi pa rin confident yung mga Pilipino na lumabas ng kanilang mga bahay para mag-resume ng business as usual. Yung earliest vaccine na Sinovac ng China, baka March 2021 pa yung dating yan dito sa Pilipinas. At sabi ni vaccine czar Carlito Galvez Jr., it will take 3 to 5 years before we vaccinate enough people para ma-achieve yung herd immunity. Ang tagal pa niyan, to be honest. Pero we have to keep looking for silver linings eh. I think yung economic recovery natin nakatali dun sa health response. At doon napapunta yung diskurso natin dun sa vaccine procurement and distribution. Maraming salamat Janina Magundayaw and JC Punong Bayan. Listen to the Usapang Econ Podcast on Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or kung saan man kayo podcast. Nabalikan natin yung report natin. We already had a part one on this. Tungkol sa mga Pinoy nurses in the United States. More than a third of the nurses that died because of COVID in the U.S. are Pinoys. One factor behind this, as we learned in our last episode, a lot of Filipinos are getting assigned to ICUs. But there are also other factors, many other factors that contribute to the death of Filipino nurses. And Josa Canones tells us more about this thing called the Filipino health paradox. Filipinos and Filipino-Americans are important to the healthcare system in the U.S., but their own healthcare needs are not addressed. So in addition to frequent exposure to COVID-positive patients, Filipinos are likely to have underlying health issues bago pa pandemic. Here's Alex Adia, researcher and co-founder of Brown University's Philippine Health Initiative for Research, Service, and Training. Filipino-Americans have higher prevalence of some of the sort of conditions that actually predispose someone to having increased COVID mortality, right? So it's the things like diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, asthma, etc. These chronic health conditions that really end up making the consequences of COVID-19 when you do get it that much worse. Binasa nila ito sa results ng California Health Interview Survey o CHIS mula 2011 to 2017. Although factor din ang individual choices, structural barriers also affect the health of PhilAMs. Because it's not necessarily the choice between just, you know, eat this salad or eat, quote-unquote, really unhealthy. Because <laughs> that's not the choice that people are making. All their decisions are being shaped by their life conditions, and it's really important to think about what those are. The idea of how many people you're providing for, whether you're sending remittances back home, how many of your relatives that you're taking care of on the everyday, whether or not you're the primary breadwinner, and your time to commute to work. Ang CHIS ang pinakamalaking state health survey sa U.S. and a good source of data kahit limited siya sa California. Ayon kay Alex, from a public health point of view, we can get a better picture of the health of PhilAMs in the U.S. if data about Asian Americans isn't aggregated. Meaning, nakahiwalay ang data for Filipino Americans, Korean Americans, Japanese Americans, and so on. And from there, we can design better interventions to address the health issues of our kababayans. 
For Zenny Cortez, a film nurse and a president of National Nurses United, taking care of our kababayans isn't just a priority of the community. It should be a priority of the healthcare system too. I've been to a lot of the ICUs and other hospitals. So I would say majority of the nurses, if not all, majority of them are Filipinos. So from the unit assistant, the secretary, the patient care assistants, you know, nursing aides, to the housekeepers and to the RNs itself. And sometimes even the managers are all Filipinos. So if you take the Filipino nurses out of the equation, there will be nobody there left. Maraming salamat, Josa Quinones. Here's another story, Rob. The UP Resilience Institute held a disaster and climate emergency policy forum last week. And they talked about the lessons learned from past disasters. Nina Toralba tells us more. Robbie and I, the Philippines has been vulnerable to several disaster events throughout history. Volcanic eruptions, floods, landslides, and earthquakes. Multiple sectors have asked, ano na ang nagawa natin para tugunan ang mga ito? November saw the worst flooding and typhoons in the country, and it prompted members of the House of Representatives to declare a climate emergency to ensure, quote, enhanced and coherent climate actions in the executive and legislative agenda of the government, end quote. But what does a climate emergency declaration actually mean? Heto si Sanyo, Executive Director for Greenpeace and Southeast Asia. We used to call it climate change, climate crisis, but now we call it a climate emergency. And it's defined as a situation in which urgent action is required to reduce or halt climate change and avoid potentially irreversible environmental damage resulting from it. A lot of people's lives are at stake. People's livelihoods are, are affected profoundly. An emergency is also a situation where you know there is an urgent action required to address that danger, but that urgent action that is required has not been done or is not adequate. Over 1,800 local governments in 33 countries have declared the climate emergency since December 2016, including Bacolod City, the municipality of Tolosa Leyte, and Cebu City, here in the Philippines. But advocates from the academe and environment groups continue to urge lawmakers to turn to science and historical data for concrete, comprehensive, and long-term solutions to the crisis. Each and every disaster unfolds in a different way. And if we do not anticipate those aspects, we will be surprised. And if many people are surprised, we have a disaster with many loss of lives. Now, all of these studies... That was Dr. Mahar Lagmay, Executive Director of the UP Resilience Institute. Dr. Lagmay identified several disaster events which left behind extensive damages and casualties, and science-based solutions which may be applied moving forward. Kasama dito ang Ginsaugon landslide noong 2006, ang pagbaha mula sa mga bagyong Pedring at Kiel noong 2011, at ang Bohol earthquake noong 2013. Lessons learned from these disasters include the need for accessible data, the importance of hazard-specific, area-focused, and time-bound warnings, and the dangers of inadequate planning and building communities and anticipating disasters. And then came Yolanda. 70% of the evacuation centers in Tacloban were inundated by storm surges. And many hundreds of people died 
in those evacuation centers because we use the single scenario deterministic hazard maps. Failure to anticipate the bigger events than the historical record or what we have experienced may be very dangerous. We need to use multi-scenario hazard maps or probabilistic hazards assessment. That way, we will be able to see the places which are dangerous, not underestimated, maybe overestimated to accommodate the uncertainties, but we will be able to visualize the problem. Advocates and experts agree that the Philippines remains far behind in climate change mitigation, adaptation, and resilience. We must heavily prepare before hazards and disasters, rather than just respond after the fact. At hindi lamang sa iisang bahagi ng Pilipinas ito dapat gawin. Maraming salamat, Nina Toraba. Now here's something na baka nabalitaan nyo rin. Baka lang, a United Nations Commission has voted to take marijuana off its list of the world's most dangerous drugs. The recommendation is accepted. I declare the commission has decided to delete cannabis and cannabis resin from schedule 4 of the 1961 convention. That's right. A United Nations commission voted to remove marijuana from the list for medical use. For decades now, marijuana was listed alongside dangerous and highly addictive drugs like heroin. But in recent years, dumarami na nga ang research sa medical use ng marijuana. Now to be clear, that UN Commission's vote is only recommendatory in nature. Experts say the vote will have no immediate impact on the control of marijuana because countries, of course, will still have their final say on how to classify the drug within their own territories. But advocates are hoping that the decision could clear the way for the expansion of marijuana use for research and medicinal purposes. And also, let's emphasize, this is not for marijuana per se, yung ginagamit for medical use. This is most relevant for derivatives na ginagamit for medical use, like cannabis oil or CBD. Research suggests that CBD can protect the nervous system and provide relief from seizures, pain, anxiety, and inflammation. Some pharmaceutical companies have created CBD-infused products like creams, serums, soda water, and juice. All of this separate from the even more sensitive discussion and debates over marijuana for recreational use. Now, before we wrap up, Teka Teka and Puma Podcast, we've been working on a mini-series with the Copenhagen-based international media support. You'll recall we had a Rights Under Lockdown special episode with Atorni Ted Te. This is a continuation of that series, but this time we spoke with media counterparts all over Asia. How has the lockdown affected their country and what challenges arose for their media? In the next few days, expect to hear voices from Pakistan, Indonesia, Nepal, and Jordan. Here's an excerpt. I have heard that there were attempts to block my access to COVID information in Pakistan by government officials because they were not happy with my reporting. 
what I started doing is that when I want to reach out to somebody for a comment, I don't write my name. <laughs> so, so then maybe when they do take my call and then tell them over the phone that you know, this is my name and this is the organization I'm working for. But those are just certain things that I'm doing to get around all of this. And that's all for this episode of Teka Teka. But once again, before we end, we leave you with this. Do you know what this is all about? page Teka Teka to find out what that was about and also for more new stories. And Puma Podcast for more updates on our new podcasts. Muli, ako po si Robbie Alampay, Puma Podcast. At ako si Inday Espino Varona. Teka Teka, kagaya lang po ng Puma Podcast, is available on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, or kung saan man kayo Puma Podcast. This episode was produced by our executive producer, Kat Ventura. It was edited by Mark Casillan. With reports from Janina Magundaya, Chosa Quinones, and Nina Turalpa. Maramit salamat po. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.